Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. All right, let's uh, bring in from SI.com, I believe it's Fan Nation, and that is Mark Wogenrich, my friend, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, what time is it, what day are we? Four hours. And of, uh, good afternoon, <laughs> good night, whatever. Uh, are you back? Yeah, I, I was. This was a game I couldn't get to, so at oh, least okay. I, you know, didn't have to be you know, be in the press box until three a.m. Just at home until three a.m. Um, but it took that much time to process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I walked in my door at four fifteen this morning, so <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Don't be. For some reason, I wasn't tired. I don't know why. I'm sitting here right now. No, who can guess? Time. Yeah, who who can tell? Who can tell why you know after what seven lead changes and a hundred passes why you would be in a game that ended that way? Why you still wouldn't be tired? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, to me, this is a on the winning side of it. A winning coach, James Franklin. This is a to me a great scenario because he's got video that shows a lot of positives. He's got video that needs corrections, and he's doing it from a position of a win. Is that fair to you? Yeah, not only is it fair, I think it's absolutely true. I mean, if you think about the last, you know, they've left, they've basically flown home from a Big Ten opener for three straight years, right? Two of them they left happy. All three of the games, they've flown home with a bunch of corrections they've had to make. Twice they've done it, you know, from a positive perspective. And then three years ago, or you know, 2020, they did it, kicking themselves, asking, "How did we let that one get away?" Could have done that last night too. I think Manny Diaz is going to go in there with like a, a flash drive full of stuff that he can show his guys. I think Mike Gersuch can say, "You know, we tried to establish a run that we never really were able to do. We've got to fix all of that." And ultimately, then you're doing it though. The fact that you know you you beat a good team on the road and probably one of the better environments they've ever had, for at least looking from, mm-hmm. you know, you've been there a bunch of times, looking at it from afar. That I don't remember being in a in atmosphere at Purdue that looked anything like that, sounded anything like that. And you know, ultimately, when you can do that, when you're a coach and and you can go in there and do thirty seconds of hey, great win now, fix all this. I think you feel so much better about that. Yeah, no, yeah, I do too. I mean, when when you look at it, and I and I want, I thought Manny Diaz. The last five possessions of the game for Purdue mm-hmm. were three three and outs, a five and out, and a six and out. So the last five yeah. possessions, they ran a total of twenty plays. Yeah. It looked like he that Manny had them tighten up all the windows. Right, not as much cushion, and to me, that's a coordinator. That okay, I, I practiced with these guys, but it was the first time he'd actually been in practical application with it, and I thought he he made some really interesting adjustments. And that really could have backfired on him because those guys had to be. I mean, they played. I by my count, there were twenty three guys who played on defense. Yeah. Get them in twenty two, twenty three. 
they still, they haven't even been players. They had to be exhausted. They still got back, you know, the secondary. That back seven had to just be just gas completely at that point. And now you're asking them to make, uh, you know, a bunch of tight quarter plays. It could have been more pass interferences. It could have been, it really could have unraveled for them. I mean, there was a one throw downfield that overturned. That was a really, really close catch on Purdue's part. That might have changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the momentum in the situation at no that doubt. point, but to entrust the secondary that you know I that was involved in so much. I mean, they made great plays. They made you know they made bad plays. They ran a spectrum in that game to entrust them in that situation for them to come through against an offense. To me, inexplicably, through I think through eleven times in a row with the lead. I know when you've got a pretty good running back. You know that's a stressful situation, and uh, to me there was there was an incredible response. I had to go back and, and look. Yeah, I you know five stops in a row, and those were stops that I mean those were stops with plays too. Those were stops with broken up passes, mm-hmm. um, and with you know a couple of really important sacks. You know, timed really incredibly well timed sacks. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. He had the one pi early. Holding, maybe whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Boy, after that, Mark, that's one of the better performances I've seen by a Penn State corner in a long time. What about you? Yeah, I don't know that I've seen a Penn State corner involved in a game like that. Again, a spectrum. I mean, he had that interception that may or may not could have returned. He, you know, yeah. he's at the ball, recovers the key weekly fumble. Uh, he did have the PI. I mean, he was involved. I, you know, they threw to that um, that Charlie Jones like or like twelve times. He was covering. Uh, you know, he broke up three passes. I, think he, you know, that was the credit, and I think it's probably at least five or six that uh, he was yeah. involved in. He was. Yep. He was. Like, he was great, and he was flashy, and he made mistakes. He just played this like. An outsized game. Like I can't remember a corner, a Penn State corner, just being, just feeling like they were so much a part of a game like that. And it really was fascinating to me that Purdue um, kept going back to it and just kept, you know, you're okay. You're covering our best receiver, so <laughs> you're going to get the action. And I you know, ultimately. Even with 19 targets, I think, for Jones, something like that. Even with all of that, I think, you know, uh, I think Joey came out as, you know, as a winner in that game. And, yeah, that's a good point, Mark. Um, the running game part of it, you know, what the eye part of it is, this is going to be maybe go 180 of the visual of last night. Maybe it goes 180 of the, of the stat part of it last night. Kind of walked out of there, and I, Jack Ham and I both felt, you know what, especially with the two kids – that they're eventually going to have a running game with this team, that that's just us. What did you think? Mm-hmm. I, eventually, I mean, that's the right word, but that's also a word that that's, you know, 14 games now of eventually, even, you know, going back maybe to a little bit of 2020, a different situation, obviously. But I think eventually is got to come pretty soon for the run game and for the offensive yeah. line. There were flashes. I, I like the way those two freshmen ran. I think yes. Yvonne Lee, I mean, you know, if he if he seeds carries, 
over the course of the next few weeks and the rest of the season, Singleton and, and Catron Allen, I don't think that means he's going to be any less important in that offense, which he showed on that last series. He had two very important catches on that last series. And that wheel, that's a tough catch. That looked a little Saquon Barkley-esque yes. to me, the way he cut. Not only they caught it, but if you look, you know, you watch the replay, he looks down at his feet, and he's got to move, you know, he's got to keep his feet from, you know, getting out of bounds kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. he really kind of did a little step that was just perfect. And in that situation, I mean, uh, that, was, that was pretty remarkable. So I think... I think they're going to bust it out probably two of the next three weeks. I think they're going to get – I think they're going to probably push it against Ohio, push our running game really, you know, maybe lopside the, the run-pass ratio. I think it was 50 – I think it was 58-42 last night or something like that. Yeah. Zero pass. I think they're going to get a little closer. They're going to get closer to 50, probably run a little more. I think they're going to try to do that. Um, and I think really try to press it uh, next week to get – especially get the freshmen um, some real live work. Uh, they really struggled at times, I think, to get pressure with four last night. I also know what, that Purdue plays in a certain way that causes yep. that. I mean, you do have to take that into account. O'Connell was a 72% passer for the entirety of last season. Mm-hmm. He had 50% last night. Uh, and I mean, it felt like he was hitting plays. But then he kept – Jack and I kept looking at the numbers going – Geez, only get fifty. Geez, only get fifty. So, in the end, that turned out okay because he was twenty-two percentage points below his normal number. That was one of probably the strangest stat line when I looked at it and I saw that Sean Clifford. If you're going to feel a game, feel a quarterback game, those numbers seem completely inverted to me. Sean Clifford was at fifty-four percent, and his I think his his QB rating was like one forty-eight. And Aiden O'Connell was at fifty percent. His QB rating was around just barely over a hundred. It felt different than that. I think a lot of that has to do with Penn State's secondary just being around balls persistently and consistently. I think the stat that ultimately struck me most: he had nineteen touchdown passes in what the last five games of last season. He threw yes. one yeah, last night. One. That was yep. like. That's kind of what Pence used to do to Drew Brees back in the nineties when Drew Brees would throw for a billion yards and they just couldn't you know, couldn't get the ball in the end zone consistently. <laughs> that one touchdown pass out of fifty eight throws. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that's when you, you know, that's when you know your defense is getting stops. And ultimately you want that more than anything. Doug Flutie. God, way yeah. back in the day, Doug would throw throw for five hundred yards this year, forty the other. They'd score seventeen. They'd score ten. <laughs> like, okay, wow. Meanwhile, um, Sean's got four touchdown passes. You know, yeah. and and you know, and uh, two of them in the last minute of each half. Is mm-hmm. That, yeah, he threw he threw one touchdown pass for every nine attempts. Yeah, and O'Connell threw one touchdown pass for every fifty eight. And, and now, what did you think of Drew Aller? I think he threw the best pass of the night, quite oh, frankly. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. He, he threw a beautiful my ball. Goodness. Jeez. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, it's the kind of thing that you're going you're gonna to look back on in a couple of years 
and say, remember, you know, that third down play, I think he could have ran. You, you know, all yeah. that stuff that he's got to learn. And then in a couple yeah. of years, he's going to be doing that. But just in, in that moment, that instant, watching him move around the pocket, the way he moved around the pocket, and then that ball to Tyler Warren, and that uh, that took me back. That's one time I said, whoa, that, yeah. that's a throw. That, that's just a mm-hmm. legit throw. It's good to see Tyler come back on that last series. Again, there was there seemed to be a lot of redemption stories in that game, but it was good to see Tyler Warren come back in that last series and catch that ball from Sean and hold on to it because he got crushed. You know, yeah. That was a big yeah. play on, on the scoring drive, but I, you would know he would want to catch that pass. Yeah. That was, that was just yeah. lovely. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and again, he's not a scrambler, Drew Aller. Mm-hmm. But he's a better runner than people think he is, and he showed yeah. it on that one play, I thought. Mm-hmm. And he could have yeah. probably run a third. Again, learning yeah. situation. What sure. struck out that struck me watching it on television was they, you know, just before he came in, they showed a close-up of him, and you could see him smiling through the helmet. I mean, this, yeah. he, that, that did not really uh, – he did not display anxiety or fear in that situation. I mean, if he had it, you know, I'm, I'm saying there's, if he had it though, he was suppressing it because that smile looked eager. It didn't look afraid. You know, well, there again, was not a have, nervous we, smile in that situation at all. Yeah. We have the big advantage, Jack and I do of having Brian trip right there on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And Brian was telling us, you know, he was calm, cool, collected, at least outwardly. And that Mike Yersich told him, he says, he says, look, keep it simple. Just go in and just be you. <laughs> and that, yeah. it, it, look, it looked like that's what he did. And, yeah, I think at this point you want to see more of that, yeah. too. You, you, know, you definitely want to see more of him. Um, maybe others, too. I don't know. But yeah, you want to see more of that. You want to see him get maybe establish some more feet and establish some more uh, rhythm and playing time. Hopefully he gets that in the you know, next couple of weeks. It is always great to talk with you, and I'm glad you're going to at least be in the building this week. That'll be great. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. See you Saturday. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Steve. You're the best.